0: Good evening and welcome to the Dr. Zeus film podcast. For fun I thought let's do something a little off topic. This is one of those episodes where it was brewing while I was recording the other one. Basically it's like when I have sex. I know TMI one round is just not enough and especially when you got several in that chamber. Let's go. So I'm currently reading The Lost Gospels, according to Al Jorgensen, by Al Jorgensen with John Wiederhorn. This. Uh, First of all, if you are a ministry fan, you know about the debauchery and the fun. Let's talk about fun. Because when you are with ministry, you better be ready to survive. I've been reading it. Oh my god. I was looking after my niece and nephew. I had to put the book away because they don't need to read it. This is what the co-author said about the the stories. As much as he hates doing interviews, Jorgensen rose to the task with great charisma and color, regaling me with dozens of amazing and overwhelming stories. Many were hysterical. Others were tragic, horrifying, or or heartbreaking. And in the end I was able to assemble a book full of heart and humor that makes Motley Crue's The Dirt look like Goodnight Moon. Which is true because I can't stand Motley Crue. Yeah, kickstart my heart and all that other bullshit, but come on. This I mean, when you've gone on and you make you have your band Ministry and then you have Lard and you have Revolting Cox What a name. For a band. Yes, and then you get Jello Biaffa from the Dead Kennedys, you know. Come on. I love that title, Beer Steers and Queers. Come on, let's go. Uh, I'm, I'm still in the midst of the book. But there are some interesting tidbits. If you know about the 60s, many of us were not there. Uh, but the great Al Jorgensen, got to know very well Mr. Timothy Leary, the godfather of acid. Drop in and drop out. Yeah. And I had heard this story, and lo and behold, it's in the book, where he talks about living with Timothy Leary. And um, Dr. Leary continued his uh, explorations. Oh, let's go into this because if you love rock and roll, hey. Oh, I didn't know he slept with Courtney Love. Ooh, As much as she hated me, Courtney wound up sleeping with me, except I made her shave her giant beaver before I'd get into bed with her. She trimmed it down to a sort of jagged Brazilian landing strip that looked more like a light lightning bolt but it was good enough for me it only happened once and it was mainly because she didn't have any dope i turned over her purse looking for needles but she was nothing there and so i said "Eh, okay let's fuck i think she did it out of fear Mm, interesting let's move on let's get to the real fun of this which is of course timothy leary now i wasn't in the 60s many of my listeners were or weren't I wasn't even a thought yet thankfully because I'd be in my 50s by now Um, but I was born in 1980 so you you get kind of the gist of when I came along Um, let's see okay This this is fascinating to me because Leary is synonymous with the 60s okay and if I can find it there is a moment in this book I think I did I take a picture of it I think I did I would say talk amongst yourselves but this is the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast you don't really have to talk amongst yourselves I mean what are you going to do I am not going to talk about Make a what happened in Texas I'm just not. Others have, in fact. I was on a really great podcast, Creatures of the Night. Jason, Adam, Chris. It was so good to talk to them, and and they did a really good show. Check that episode out, where they talk about Travis Scott and all of their stuff, and because you know, I I could I could talk about that till the cows come home, but we're gonna talk about film. We're gonna talk about music. Ah ha ha. Is this it? Oh no, it's not. I had snapped a snapshot of. Is it the page number? Mm, damn it! It's so interesting when you take pictures of things and then you you lose track of them, and that's why I don't share my phone with people. Oh, what's that? Oh, don't worry about it. I know. Hey, I am not a T. I am not as much of a TMI as Will Smith. Can we just talk about that for a moment? (sighs) I liked The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I used to watch it all the time. His music, eh. But seriously, dude, we don't want to know that you tried to kill your father. I don't want to know that you and Jada have an open marriage. I don't want to fuck with you. I don't want to sleep with you. The only time I want to know if someone has an open marriage, if they're going to invite me in that's the only time I need to I don't need you to go on a book tour poor Oprah Oprah's like I'm just with Stedman you know I mean come on come on Will come on Jada we've had enough of your shit I've had enough of it please please oh my god do the Fresh Prince of Bel Air reboot and just shut up my god alright oh here we go. This is this is from the, the Al Jorgensen book. Back at Tim's life was both chaotic and fascinating. In addition to taking me in, Tim let Gibby Haynes stay at the house for, for a while. Tim encouraged us to take whatever drugs we wanted. He was the guru of LSD, after all. But as an academic and a researcher, he wanted to see what effects different hallucinogens had when they were coupled with different substances. Coke, heroin, NyQuil, Hungry Man dinners. He would get all his hallucinogenic shit mailed to him from all these companies and universities and then test them, test it on us every couple of weeks. Actually, it was mostly on me. He kicked Gibby out of the house after he peed in the drawer of an antique desk in Tim's office when he was off his head. So Gibby went and I stayed. Tim would... uh. Get, it, get me to shoot up all these laboratory drugs that were based out of M- uh, MDA, ecstasy, uh, Amazonian concoction made from shrubs leaves, varilla, and South American drug that you grind into a powder and cook down. Timothy Leary had me shooting up all this shit. He would be all excited and say, hey, I got a new package I would, and I would groan. Oh, fuck. Let's do it. I would shoot up and we, he would scribble down notes on how the drugs affected me. I don't know how he was writing. I don't know what he was writing because to me, the hallucinations, whose hallucinations were always the same. I'd have the same horrific visions of hell and, apo- and the apocalypse. Naked people with blood spurting from every orifice. Skies that turned black. Then silver, then white again Winged beasts with razor-sharp talons And most of all, spiders of all shapes and sizes They'd fall from the sky They'd come up from the ground They'd creep around corners and crawl all over me I'd be screaming and trying to brush off the bugs And I'd always end up staggering over to Tim Timothy Leary's blind dog A sweet golden retriever Mr. Boodles and Lemmy my dog is probably related to. I grab his collar and he would take me outside so I could breathe without spiders scurrying in my mouth and down my throat. Talk about the blind leading the blind after an hour or so. Timothy Larry would come out and stare at me then he 'd take more notes and then ask me some questions about how I was feeling and what I was seeing he 'd measure the diameter of my pupils and see if I could track his fingers with my eyes. I don't know if I passed or failed. I just know I saw spiders. The stuff he gave me was so strong that it took effect in less than 20 minutes. That's crazy. The visions were instantaneous and they were never enjoyable. But I subject myself to it because it helped him out somehow. And I knew if I did my job, my rent was paid and I had a place to stay. Some people have asked me why I'm not angry at Timothy Leary for using me as a humi guinea pig. Man, I could never be mad at Timothy Leary. I was a willing subject, and he was a good friend, a father figure. Actually, I was just a rock junkie, but he didn't treat me like a degenerate. He was patient and understanding. We had long talks about everything quantum mechanics, esoterics, philosophy, psychology, the occult, psychedelic science, and the opening of the third eye, even pop culture. He was a knowledgeable figure who had credentials, and he had a strong bond with another. Tim would recite baseball statistics to me of every battling champion since 1967. He was encyclopedic. Hall of Fame left fielder and first baseman Carl, I can't even say it, was his favorite. He knew everything about this guy was involved with, and his passion didn't stop with sports. He was involved on a day-to-day basis with the growth of society and culture. Whether it was through entertainment acting or music, he taught me how to be a Renaissance man. Timothy Leary was a Renaissance man, but he didn't he wasn't an uh, elitist. He got his world views by with students. What does this say? who taught him there's more to the world than your little brain Tim uh, Leary was a gregratius wanted to know everything in every aspect of life. Nothing bored him. And no one was too stupid to talk to. In the mid 90s, we watched Entertainment Tonight in the E channel and was very serious about following what they covered. At the same time, he was extremely well read and could recite Shakespeare, the Bible, Burroughs, to name a few. Burroughs' Naked Lunch. I am gonna read this book to the best of my ability because you know next year is the 30th anniversary of. Well, I'll let I'll let him tell you about it because I I. I am a big Al Jorgensen. I got into ministry a little late. No, it was not because I saw Limp Biscuit performing thieves. Pssh. Why would you even attempt that? Why? I i mean, as stoned as you could be, why would you attempt this? Thieves! Liars! See? Yeah. Sometimes the cover is good. In fact, ministry put out an album and they did a cover of the Stooges' Search and Destroy, which Iggy Pop has said was pulled from Pentagon rhetoric, Search and Destroy. This is an interview with Al Jorgensen and Dave Kendall from 1992, where they talk about Ministry's current album. Right now,
1: I'm with Al Jorgensen of Ministry, my old friend Al Jorgensen of Ministry. Al, this is your first live shows in, what, a couple of years now, right? Two years. Two years. So you got some tricks. Two years, two years. years. (laughs) you got some tricks along with you, a spectacular light show we hear rumors of? Not spectacular, it's just colors and psychedelic-type things, you know. It'll be good. You'll like it. Come. And you'll be performing songs, presumably, off your new album, which is actually titled Story 69 or Chapter 69? Something. As long as it's 69. 69 will do oral sex good. It's good for you What language is it actually that the way it's printed on the album Arabic? It's ancient Arabic happened to stumble upon a book who you should read It's called book of lies Alistair Crowley you'll love it and Psalm 69 the album is this a new musical direction for you? You kind of honed ministry down Mm -hmm. to you and Paul Barker, right? Yeah, it's, it's just a continuation of the old only um came out really good usually you get done with the record there's
0: two three things for the so next year is the 30th anniversary of psalm 69 i love the number 69 shout out to the guys at creatures of the night because we talked a lot about 69 now didn't we we talked a lot about imagery and esoteric and the occult which mr uh al jorgensen knows a lot about i read you those passages not my best ability because usually I can read and I can read but in this instance I'm tired about how they would talk about the occult and they would talk about religion and I've told this before on the podcast I am not religious I am spiritual I was not raised in the church I you know of course out of out of habit because you know you pick things up from family, like if I am gonna go on the freeway, I do the sign of a cross. If I, yeah, that's my that's just my own relationship between that, you know. If I pray to someone, it's usually my my relatives. That's you know, but I don't treat them like entities because they're people. They're they're just in another realm. I know a lot of people who they quote-unquote call themselves God-fearing. I want to know about why. Why would you fear God? If you're going to meet God one day, oh, yeah, you made mistakes. Everyone makes mistakes. Here's what someone once told me. We were we were talking about God and we were talking about the devil. It's right out of the pages of ministry. Um, and this person said to me, that God basically is the devil. Just on his mood swings. So when God's not on the medication. He's Satan. So it's split in two. two you know double personality. And that kind of makes sense. I know some of you are screaming blasphemy. Well I wasn't raised religious. So I don't know. Um, no I'm not. Here's the thing. I respect. If, if you have a religion that you belong to. And that provides you with solace more power to you just don't try to get me involved uh i have a lot of friends who are muslim i have so much respect for them i at one point studied islam but i didn't go through with it because i just did not want to be a part of religion now islam is totally different and that's why i give it a lot of respect it is misunderstood by people in the west and I think if we learned a little more, and some of you actually took a class on Islam, then you would learn more about it. Same with Judaism. Uh, what's another one? See, I'm—I was baptized Catholic. I am not a practicing Catholic. My grandmothers were practicing Catholics, but then even they had issues with the church, confession. Just a little. Things that go along with it. I don't know if I've ever told this story before. But we are talking about ministry and the music. And it's just awesome. It's awesome. I remember at one point I was not in a good place. Professionally. That's often been the case. And I would leave and go to the gym. And just listen to ministry and author and punisher. But ministry really. Oh that music. You got thieves burning inside psalm 69 is their big album but for me the mind is a terrible thing to taste is their masterpiece the land of rape and honey is shocking disturbing but that's ministry is this a part of new war no well it is intriguing because there's a lot about al jorgensen that i don't know and maybe i'll learn about it when i read the book If you look at him now, and in the past, basically Johnny Depp stole his look for you know Captain Jack Sparrow and uh, uh, what are those things called Um, Pirates of the Caribbean or Caribbean? I almost said uh, uh, Pirates of uh, Goodwill Hunting. (laughs) Uh, You know where my mind is at, Um, but yeah, there's a mystery and an intrigue to him. He's got the glasses, got the hat I do know from reading about him He is originally from Cuba He is a Cuban exile And the music, you know When you make music uh, First of all, I want to Just go out on a limb right now I don't want to give them a shout out Sometimes I like watching the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame And sometimes, and I'm going to say this In defense of ministry They don't need me to say this If you're going to induct Nine Inch Nails, you really should induct Ministry and Skinny Puppy first. Because without them, there is no Nine Inch Nails. There is no industrial music. Okay, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Are you listening? Okay. And also the fact that you inducted LL Cool J and Jay-Z in the same year. That's good, but you should have inducted LL Cool J a long time ago. Okay, Because you don't have Jay-Z and all these others without LL Cool J, who still has a functioning career and is on television. Jay-Z, you're not on TV. Also, the issue I have with the beehive and, and whatever come from me, I don't care. I like some of Beyonce's stuff, but people were just all expecting her to show up at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. First of all, it's not her night. It's Jay-Z's night. Okay, and it's everyone else's night. Second of all, I don't think she's ever gonna be inducted into there. I hope not. I like some of her stuff, and then sometimes the fans are just too rabid for me. It's like, alright, alright. She's not the greatest entertainer in the world. She is not. I've seen others. I love the lemonade album. The lemonade album, I don't think she can top. But hey, prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. It's the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. And speaking of film, the music videos of Ministry are very shocking. Just one fix. You've got William S. Burroughs in the video. And he's just waving those magic fingers. Jesus built my hot rod. Oh my God. Burning inside. Just Al Jorgensen. Those, that hair. He always had that hair. And the sunglasses. Yeah. And then Stigmata, which he hates from The Land of Rape and Honey. And he's got got the look. Because originally, Ministry were a synth band. A synth pop. And then he decided to change things. Let's imply the cut and paste theory of Mr. William S. Burroughs. And that's kind of what he took. and And he ran with it. Al Jorgensen. Uh, But I'm going to read some more of the book for you. If I can. All right. This is uh, the Lost Gospels, according to Al Jorgensen. Okay. I figure if we can get to the album that really put ministry in a different trajectory... Because it it is a dark album. It is truly, truly dark. The album cover. There's a lot of misinterpretation about the album. Okay, I don't want to read that part. When I was working on Rape and Honey, I didn't have a car. So I got this 70... Okay, I already... No, I don't want to read that because it's kind of... yeah. When we did uh, The Land of Rape and Honey, I'd take stacks of material we recorded on these reel-to-reel back tapes. Tapes back to the house I was renting. I was four blocks from the studio and a fucking car brawl, bar brawl home. I would edit the tape for 12 to 14 hours. I would have razor cuts all over my hands from the... Uh, much editing there was no digital equipment back then it took me 12 to 14 hours per song but it was really invigorating because I was using the same cut-up method that William Burroughs used only I was doing it with music which is why he and I hit it off years later when we met to work on the song just one fix from Psalm 69 I did a lot of cut-up editing on the land of rape and honey which was fun and artsy Plus there was no one to fuck with me, or bother me. I was at home with my cheap headphones doing all the editing, I really got to know those songs. When I worked on a song, I'd make a mark on the tape for each beat, so I knew I'd have the timing right. Then I chopped up all the tape in equal sized pieces, threw it all on the floor, and mixed the pieces around. When I picked them up, I didn't know if they were forward or backwards, so in a way it was like musical rush and Roulette. I'd pick the pieces up and re- reassemble them in this random order. And I'd listen to it. If it sounded good, which it did a lot of the time, I'd keep it. If it wasn't right, I'd chop it up again and keep experimenting. And I tried getting a little avant-garde like Salvador Dali or something, which was really fun. I'd some of the tape pieces and coffee. Others had cigarette burns or urine stains. And in the end, we strung it all together and it worked, which was really fun. It was a special six months of my life. I was working on stuff that hadn't been done before and finding new ways to approach music. I felt like, whoa, I've conquered something, man. In the end, The Land of Rape and Honey was the perfect storm of hallucinogens, heroin, cocaine, and a month of me wasted out of my mind editing all these reassembled bits on tape, a two-track. It was amazing how primitive it was. That was also the album in which I started using distorted vocals. It's many... It's uh, funny because people think I got the idea to use distorted vocals from someone like Throbbing Drizelle or... No. They forget I was an old-school psychedelic hippie. I got it from the 13th floor elevators. Way back in 1966, their singer and guitarist, Rocky Eckerson, used the distorted his vocals to make them sound more raw. There was one song in which he was just blasting. It just sounded like the whole mic was going to explode, and I thought... That's the sound I want. The technology back then was nothing like it we have today. So we could make them sound totally robotic, but that was my real inspiration to add distortion to my vocals. I also started to use guitar again, not a lot though. It's subtle, mostly for effect, and it comes in some of the places where people don't hear it. The funny it's funny because the total supposed guitar rock, which I hate to this day, is Stigmata, and that doesn't have any guitars on it. The guitars are all sampled. There's two chords in every riff and the second one is bent with a pitch shifter, it's all electronic. And that was supposedly our first big metal moment. For years, when we played that song, we'd do it with live guitars and make it heavier. That didn't stop me from hating it. Of Of course, the biggest song in the album is the one I can't stand, and suddenly I have to play it every night for years. Back ass words, right? The problem with Stigmata is that it's too simplistic, it was a throwaway. I needed another song for the album, so we banged that one out in five minutes. But it doesn't go anywhere. I never thought it was going to be big or do anything. I thought other songs and better had better potential for selling markers, but I'm usually the last one to know what other people are going to like. When we finished The Land of Rape and Honey, I took a picture off of a TV documentary about the Holocaust. Oh, here we go. It was shot of the Bookchwinian concentration camp. I digitally distorted it so it was all grainy and looked nightmarish and psychedelic. I thought it would be a good cover for the album, for the mindfuck of the album. Well, when Sire found out about the photo on the cover, they got pissed. And so legend has it that they said, no, we don't want that album cover. And so Al Jorgensen, he cut off the head of some roadkill, threw it in the truck, drove all the way from Texas to Los Angeles, went to a threw it on the album um, cover designer's desk and said, here's your fucking album cover. And they got the original album cover back, which is evocative, provocative. It's ministry. But it made you think. It made you think. That was the true essence of what Al Jorgensen was doing. We're going to talk a little more about the book when I finished it. As always, unpleasant dreams.